Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today, we have a special um, episode. We have two guests. We have Noah Wilson from Mountain BizWorks and Bradley Spiegel from Made by Mountains Partnership. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. So um, let's get the you know 30-second intro from both of you. Um, Noah, let's have you go first. You're with Mountain BizWorks. What is Mountain BizWorks and what do you do there? Whew. All right, Mountain BizWorks is a CDFI, which basically means we are a community development financial institution, which means we provide financing and training to entrepreneurs and kind of small business owners, uh, because honestly, banks don't fund startups and they don't fund people who aren't easy to fund, and we do that job. And we also get them the training to succeed, because money without training is very hard to use, successfully at least. Uh, and the final piece, what I do at Mountain BizWorks is I lead our sector development department, which is basically enabling there to be a more helpful entrepreneurial ecosystem around the businesses we serve. And I focus on three kind of core verticals, food, craft, and outdoor recreation. Gotcha. And I, I failed to ask where in the, you know, where in the world are you? Ah, Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville, North Carolina. Excellent. All right. Um, Bradley, you're up. Same question. So, we are based in Asheville, but we represent Western North Carolina. So that's, we represent 25 counties and the Kuala boundary, which is the Eastern band of Cherokee Indians. And so I am also affiliated with Mountain BizWorks and thanks to Noah's um, impeccable grant writing skills, they have, we've, they have got funding for a program called the Made by Mountains Partnership. And it's all about kind of seeding the outdoor industry across Western North Carolina. So focused on economic development, and outdoor community development and kind of the regional storytelling aspects of that. So I'm actually an urban planner by trade, but I'm, I'm coming on as this kind of community organizing and building the momentum of outdoor community development across the region. Interesting. So we, the three of us, we connected because we had a guest, Thomas Sally uh, from Wilkesboro, who was on the pod, um, I think probably six months ago. And he has the distinction of being the only guest that we've had on the pod twice or the first guest that we had on the pod twice. So, and he spoke about both, um, I think both the work that both of you are doing and then he connected us. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. Let's see, Noah, you're going to tell us about the outdoor economy conference in Western North Carolina, because you are 
supposedly the driving force of this, or at least one of the driving forces of this, and it is now in its fifth year. What is the Outdoor Economy Conference and, um, you know, who's it for? All right. So the Outdoor Economy Conference is the nation's biggest conference dedicated to really growing uh, all the economic drivers, kind of whole ecosystem around outdoor recreation. We recognize over the past, well, long time, honestly, but COVID will kick in the high gear that people want to be outdoors. They need to be outdoors and they will pay money to be outdoors, right? We'd have a, depending on which year it is and who you ask, 700 plus billion dollar industry, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, that kind of employs directly a significant portion of the population of the United States, but also I think really touches at least half the folks in the United States every single year, right? So it's a big driver for our communities. It's a big driver for, you know, both a core industry and all the people who just want to get outside and want to have their backyards be beautiful and fun to, ha- fun to hang out in, right? They want to be able to go paddling, biking, fishing, running, etc., And they want to have that both close to home and to go places that are amazing to do those things that are pretty unique and special. And so, you know, we're based in Western North Carolina. We cover a, a quarter of the state, all the mountain counties in Western North Carolina. People have been coming to these mountains for centuries because they are gorgeous places to recreate and relax. And what we found is that that is a huge driver for both our economy here and other ones all over the country. And we needed a place to gather and talk about what's really working, you know, and what are the hard things that you need some practitioners to gather with to dive into? Because the reality is that the outdoor economy is powerful, but it's also a little nebulous. And the work to build it requires a lot of stakeholders. You've got to have folks on the table from economic development, and planners like Brad, through the you know local folks who want to build trails, through your chamber of commerce director, through the nonprofits who might help maintain things or who might help get the land available to the state parks and federal national forest service, you know, and the or, or the national parks or the BLM. It's just this big amalgamation of stakeholders required to drive this massive industry and all the things that are surrounded by it. And so the conference really is a place where all those pieces of the ecosystem come together. And we all, you see all the people who are dedicated towards this larger, you know, work of growing the outdoor economy, of growing the industry and all things that are attached to it, kind of a value chain, if you were, um, sure. into one place, right? And to say, okay, you know, each year we choose four core theme, you know, four core kind of tracks and one big theme that we're going to dive into. In 2018, actually, it started as a local event. So it started with WCU, Western Carolina University, here in Cullowee, having an outdoor economy conference really for Western North Carolina. And it sold out at 250 people, 250. And we had people from what, like four or five states show up. We hadn't really particularly invited other states, but they showed up anyway, right? And the next year we had that first grant to kind of grow the outdoor industry in Western North Carolina, the first kind of significant grant. And we kind of brought the event over to Mountain BizWorks with the support of WCU and a lot of the kind of work from their team. And we sold out a room of 540 people, you know, the biggest kind of hotel ballroom we could find kind of in Asheville that started paying an arm and a leg. And we're like, okay, that happened. We had, I think, 19 states show up. And this, again, was really more of a local event than a national one. We were not doing big, we weren't doing big PR, you know, like pushes into California or whatever, but like it was happening. People were showing up and we said, okay, we've got something here. And it's kind of grown from there and evolved. 2020, obviously, you know, wacky year for conferences. So that was different. Um, but we ran an online event. 
we rented a studio and ran it all, ran all in 4K um, HD, right? Basically, like, eventually broadcast the conference. Like, we were bringing people, like, like CNN brought people on Zoom. So did we. That's cool. You sure. know. Um, and it was really fun. We had people from, I think it was 34 states. And then we had people from Venezuela, the UK, Australia. <laughs> you know, it was just like, okay, why not? So it has really continued to grow. And now we're in Cherokee, North Carolina, home of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, where we are having we're in the best venue in WNC for this kind of event. That's incredible. Just the idea that this economy even exists, I had never really thought about it. Uh, I guess before I talked to Thomas. Um, yeah, you're right. It's I saw numbers that said uh, $789 billion or $500 billion, but all the... Uh, the percentages were the same. It said it was 2.1% of the economy of the United States is outdoor recreation. And that's just, um, just amazing. Just outstanding. Like it's, I never would have imagined that. Um, and that's so just I, the stuff that yeah, kudos for you guys for doing this. Yeah. And, and Dane, just to kind of like just put it on this one second, like that's the stuff that's directly outdoor economy. And there's right, all these right. things that are like, you know, how many top leaders at major companies also like to either run, bike, kayak, mm -hmm. fish, you know, like paddle, all these things that they want to be able to do in their backyard. And that's a real attractor for them. And they move companies to places to do that. Right. Exactly. Wow. That's fantastic. Great. <clears throat> all right. Bradley, um, uh, made by mountains partnership. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you you're a planner in the outdoor economy what does that even mean what does that even look like so noah mentioned uh, the first grant well due to the success of the outdoor industry kind of collaboration in the outdoor economy conference the appalachian regional commission funded a second grant a power grant that um is now funding me in my work but there is a program specifically called Building Outdoor Communities that was written into that grant. And that really came from, it was a conference track at past outdoor economy conferences. And it brought so many, it was had, had so much excitement from community leaders from across WNC. And just kind of pinging that for a second, Thomas and the Wilkesboro team, some of their initial conversations started at the outdoor economy conference, just the organic conversation of, of different stakeholders that attended, that it turned into a community working group that later came together and hired a consultant to build, create an economic, an outdoor economic development action plan. And now they're implementing that plan. So I have the pleasure of of implementing the Building Outdoor Communities program across Western North Carolina. And kind of going back to what Noah said, some of these core themes that we've seen, like national trends, is that trails drive economic return. And outdoor industry as a whole, outdoor recreation as a whole, has the potential to drive economic return. So how can we help these communities, a lot of rural communities, how can we help to set them up for success to be prioritizing the right investment strategically. How do you think about the social equity pieces and the environmental stewardship pieces while also planning for these enhanced trail infrastructure? It could be Greenway, Blueway, the connectivity between Main Street and the National Forest. 
So there's so many different layers and it must be done thoughtfully in order for these communities to really succeed. So that is what this program is designed to do from the Made by Mountains partnership and building outdoor communities is to really guide communities through a series of exercises to bring the stakeholders to the table, to figure out what the gaps are and how, how can they create a shared vision about moving forward to go after investment to build what they want to build. I just find this so fascinating because, you know, we're talking about trails, we're talking about, uh, you know, places to fish. Um, and those things aren't what you think of when you think of, you know, an, an economy as being part of an economy. You think of those as being this sort of free leisure time activity that, that people can do. So, you know, what let's, if someone's listening and, and they're thinking that same thing, like let's just walk them through the different pieces of the outdoor economy and, and how that all, how that works. Sure. I, I can help with some of that. So this is a big part. I'm, I'm an economist sure. by background, but as a, as a planner, I'm an economist. We both like numbers, but different ways. Um, right. So the outdoor economy, if we start at the very beginning of the supply chain, you've got raw materials, right? So let's look at kind of two big threads. One of them is the kind of guiding, uh, it's kind of the pieces where people are doing the work, right? You're out there in the field. So you have people who are guides and outfitters. You have people who are retailers selling the gear to folks. You have people who are, you know, app developers who create things, help people get outside, right? There's a whole sort of ecosystem around the experience itself. And within that, there's lots of pieces that employ people, right? From, you know, people who literally are those folks out in the field guiding you to catch that fish, you know, tag that buck, you know, run that river, have a great time mountain biking, et cetera. Right. You have the folks who are then leading those enterprises, like the Nana Hill Outdoor Center is the biggest outfitter in the world. And they're based out of West North Carolina, right? And they have a lot of full-time staff who their job is to keep the operation running year round. So that's one piece of the outdoor economy, right? And again, these retailers as well, like there's a lot of things that are sold to make this possible because one thing about the outdoors is it just naturally sort of seems to draw people towards gear, right? You get wet, sure. you want to buy your rain jacket, you need your rain boots. So, and while you're at it, you may as well get a pocket knife and something is 400 bucks an REI, right? Um, right. And there's, so there's a lot of work on that side of things. And again, there's a whole section of the economy dedicated to retail. Because obviously you both have your people who are selling the thing, but it's all the supporting infrastructure. You have people who are consultants to retailers, people who develop displays, signage, packaging for the things you're seeing, you know, marketing of those things. There's just all these industries around the industry. We keep seeing this kind of bubble around what seems like a single thing. And that extends a lot for us in this region to manufacturing. Because one thing our region is known for is manufacturing. You know, North Carolina was a major hub for textiles and manufacturing. So they kind of came down from the Northeast to the South for cheaper labor costs, um, you know, pre-offshoring. And it's retained a lot of that capacity. And there are still a lot of companies that make the raw ingredients for manufactured goods here in North Carolina, as well as companies that make the actual goods themselves. So let's take, say, you know, a nice shirt, a nice outdoorsy shirt, right? You can have the typically cloth, you know, spun up from recycled plastic bottles by Reprieve. And the folks, you know, kind of in the middle of the state who are taking, basically making recycled material fibers. Then you can have that made into, you know, cloth itself. And you can have some people cutting and sewing it here in the area. You have a whole team that's then doing the work of running a company, right? You've got a CEO, you've got a C-suite team of 
you know, financial operations, warehouse management, all the folks down to people like cutting, sewing, packaging, marketing, selling that good, shipping it out to make sure, make sure it gets to the consumer, right? And so that just the direct core part of the outdoor economy itself, whether you're a manufacturer or an outfitter or a retailer or a person building an app, like, you know, the next version of all trails, right? All those things are part of the outdoor economy. And again, this, this outdoor economy here in West North Carolina, this is what we got so much kind of impetus and support in the initial kind of days of building this, um, comes down to one thing and that's manufacturing, right? It was a, manufacturing is exciting, especially for people in the Appalachian region who want to support the growth of these kind of high, high, high wage, high quality jobs. And we have manufacturers here who are very collaborative and supportive of one another. Um, and who started a group called the Outdoor Gear Builders of Western North Carolina, um, which is now called the Outdoor Business Alliance, right? They just recently changed their name to kind of be more broadly encompassing of all that big industry, all the pieces, different pieces. But it started with gear manufacturers who knew they had neighbors, but they only knew they had neighbors who made things nearby because they'd be at trade shows in Salt Lake City. And they'd walk by and like, sure. I, know, I know your face from that bar, right? As I saw the show, oh yeah, cool, you're a mile away and you're a major company. I didn't realize you were right here, but I just, you know, you never knew. And it was like a couple companies, Sylvan Sport and Eno were the first two that kind of like said, we're going to do a thing, right? And they got their buddies in the industry and everyone got invited to a big gathering at a brewery, which is traditional for Western North Carolina, right? Sure. And they really agreed to collaborate and have a self-directed network um, early on. And that industry camaraderie and the willingness to work together to grow the big pie was what really got us up and rolling in this work. Gotcha. Fascinating. Bradley, do you want to add anything? I think he covered it. Well, really I well. okay. I have one thing that Brad should cover in his, his talk, right? And this is the part, this is me. I'm always like, I more things. It's my ADD. Sorry. But sure. the other piece that we didn't talk about much is the piece that Brad kind of covers that the outdoor economy elements of Brad's job, right? So besides the people who are being brought to Main Street to shop and who are bringing to your town who buy real estate there because it's beautiful and then they decided to move there. We had a great story of that from Wilkesboro, um, a, you know, company, a family that moved because they loved the area. And then they started you know, two businesses and working on a third one will be a huge startup, right? That's awesome. And it was because of the outdoor assets that were there. But there's this piece of just literally making the infrastructure. You've got planning firms. You've got government agencies, you've got construction firms, you've got folks who then like dial in the details, maintain the thing, right? You've got community college programs that are dedicated towards building trails and maintaining the infrastructure you've got there. There's quite a lot of money. I mean, millions and millions of dollars being spent every year either building or maintaining outdoor infrastructure. And there are ways to do that successfully and really drive your outdoor economy. There's ways to make shiny things that don't drive the economy. And so that's part of what his work is really doing. Uh, I'll, now I'll, I'll paint yeah, a little more to the picture. So with this, with the building outdoor communities piece, we've created this outdoor outdoor economic ecosystem model. And the, another word that we're using is the building outdoor communities assessment tool. And so we've basically created a seven month program using this outdoor economic ecosystem model. There's a worksheet for each of the seven months and one month they'll focus on infrastructure. So thinking about what do we already have? What are we doing so well? And, you know, what can we celebrate that's already happening? What are the gaps and what 
do we want to align on and prioritize for future development? So infrastructure is one. We talk about all the local businesses, the economy around the outdoors. We talk about workforce and education. And then the brand activation, which is programs and events. To how do you activate the outdoor infrastructure that you invest in? And finally, the tourism piece. So thinking about, you know, if you build these incredible assets, how do you manage the demand of the people that will be coming to use them? Because ultimately, this is not just for tourists, it's for locals and for quality right. of life benefits. So we're trying to help communities to see, help community leaders to really think about that big ecosystem approach to outdoor community development. Gotcha. So is that outdoor ecosystem model, is that available or is that, you know, something they have to hire you guys to do or how does that part work? Um, it is a tool that we mm -hmm. are, it could definitely be, we're kind of piloting this tool as we speak. There's 24 communities that are in the program and it is definitely a tool that can be replicated. Um, we've got a lot of inspiration from the outdoor recreation roundtable rural economic development toolkit. Um, some of these best practices, we're trying to help bridge that gap and help communities to also like also to see that there are national best practices arising from other gateway communities across the country. And how can we make sure that they're taking advantage of those resources as well? Gotcha. So is this the kind of stuff that uh, would is covered at the conference? Is this the kind of things that people are talking about and learning about? Yeah. So that 2019 conference mission was 540 folks and sold out the Crown Plaza in Asheville. The reason we knew we had to move was because the building outdoor communities track of that conference was like standing room only. I saw oh, wow. Peter Metcalf, like the founder of Black Diamond, who was one of our speakers, sitting on the floor <laughs> session because he couldn't fit in the room. And I was like, okay, that's cool to do one year. It's like pretty exciting. Like, wow, we're back to the walls, right? But we had to move the thing to a bigger space. And we knew at that point the program had legs. Pretty much that right, right there. Andy Williamson, got to give him a big shout out. Uh, he had a clerk called Active Strategies at that time. And now he's working at West, West Virginia University with Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative. Like he was running that track and he and I both just, you know, kind of regrouped after the conference and said, man, like this, this is something that's picked up and really needs to be, be supported more deeply. Um, and, you know, I think that that has influenced our conferences ever since. We stay in these kind of area where we're living between industry and community, right? And, and ecology, right? Those are the three things we're always looking at, you sure. know, taking care of the place and the people and making sure the economy is vibrant. And you'll see that reflected every year in kind of our, tra our tracks and our themes and kind of our core work. Like this year, the focus is on connecting the ecosystem. So we're, you know, we, we sat down this spring, or really like last winter, I guess it was, and said, all right, you know, why go to a conference? We live in a new era, right, where there's a billion right. different pieces of media you can consume, probably literally, right, from podcasts to videos to books and magazines and blogs and whatever, right? And there's plenty of free videos on the internet to watch about whatever you want to watch. But like, why do you go to a, con to a conference? And the answer is the connectivity is the key, right? There's people there and you have a, a real deep in-person connection that really like drives it. Correct. And so, okay, right. to, to the whole point about connecting those different pieces. And so how do we then have the right conversations 
to kind of bring about connections that are going to change the world in some significant way. Running a major conference costs about as much as buying a house. Yeah, maybe not Nashville anymore, but certainly like in a rural community for sure. Right. And so like to put that kind of investment down, I got to make actually world changing impacts. Literally. That's my, my, you know, and so like hearing that in 2019, Wilkes County and Rutherford County literally came back and like, we got to do this thing, get a team together. And now they're in the front, kind of the front running part of the cohort with the Brad's running with BOC, right? They're part of the first kind of highest capacity cohorts. That's because they got that spark. So that changed whole communities, whole counties, and then that gets them rolling. And now we see them being peer leaders for other communities who are then taking on their ideas and running with those, right? That's worthwhile spending that kind of money and energy on. I mean, it's a thousand hours for me, probably a year and my other senior staff, but you know, it's, it's thousands of hours, really a year of work, plus lots of money. So with that in mind, right? What are we going to talk about? So we got four things this year, building vibrant outdoor communities, and vibrant is key there, obviously, be places that are just full of life and energy that really give where the assets give back to the place and the, and the people who live there and the place and the people and the visitors give back to the assets that everything is just flourishing. Leveling up outdoor businesses. Like we have come to an amazing place where we have this 700 and was it 789 billion dollar industry, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's still a very young industry and there's a lot of work to do to really kind of keep that strength and go where, where, what's coming next, right? And so there's work in that whole theme around how do we make sure there's like deep work on equity, deep work on the access to the capital and on the workforce we need and the leadership we need to build, you know, all, this, all these elements. Advancing inclusive and effective coalitions is the third track. And we talked a lot about this kind of third track of what would it be? And we realized that working together is hard, <laughs> right? It's tough. Right. <laughs> to, to really set shared goals everyone buys into and owns their piece of without getting one out of his way and to to work across political boundaries because this is a very bipartisan set of issues and want to keep it that way right where you can have democratic senators and republican senators working the same thing and not yelling at one another like that's pretty great um mm-hmm. you know but how do you really build and advance these, these inclusive coalitions so you're not just a bunch of white guys who wear flannel and you know have a beer after a, a bike ride right and effective coalitions, because right. they've got to be actually getting the work done, not just like having, you know, feeling, feeling fancy for meeting together. And so that is really a powerful track. I think it's really about the best way to get that work done within this group of people you need to connect with, because they're the ones who are doing the work too, because this is about gotcha. that technique system we meet together. And that final one, the final of our four tracks is envisioning outdoors 2.0. And so again, this is a young industry. The idea of going outside for your health or like for well-being as opposed to something you did is pretty new, all things considered, right? And so sure. what does it look like as we head for the future where we've had, you know, COVID was huge, largely very positive despite the supply chain snarls it caused, right? And the workforce snarls it caused, like everybody wanted to be outside. These destination communities were like hammered with traffic for good, or, for good and for bad. That's way of been receding a little bit, trying to find out a new normal and the reality is there's no such thing as the old normal, right? That's gone. And if we want to, to find a new equilibrium that's dynamic and healthy, we have to like envision that and set our course for that thing. We're not, we're not there yet. And so that fourth track is really helping us as leaders in this space, talk to one another. And we're actually having much more sort of open discussions and roundtables and you know, sessions where people can give, give input 
and you know help share their vision and their thoughts on that because this is a space where we're all meeting together across the country. What do we need to be going back to our communities to advance? Gotcha. Fantastic. So you guys have been at this for, um, you know, five years or, or not, not too long, but have you heard any, um, horror stories? Because, you know, all this sounds really great, but have you heard, and you don't have to name names, but have you heard of any communities that tried this and didn't, you know, didn't get all, didn't tick all the boxes and it just went horribly awry? So in 2020, we had our conference and one of our keynote speakers was a guy named Ray, Ray Rasker. Ray Rasker is one of the founders of Headwaters Economics, kind of the most respected firms kind of doing economic studies in this space. And, you know, he helped develop the BEA data sets that feds are using right now to measure the economy. So he's a pretty, pretty renowned guy. And we had him talk about, you know, best practices for our communities. And one thing he said was he can't forget housing. Right. He gives a, a laundry list of things you should be, be wary of as you're doing your work. He's like, you got to be thinking forward. When you would bring things into your community that can attract people to your community and it succeeds, because if you're doing it right, you, you, you will probably succeed. No guarantees, but if you activate right. it, you know, they might come. But if that then people show up, do you have the resources to handle them? Right. Are your roads able to handle the traffic? Are your wilderness, you know, first responders and sort of, your EMTs able to deal with someone who gets stuck on a mountaintop, right? Are your are you going to have a bunch of wealthy folks come in and buy second homes and make it so people who work there can't live there anymore, right? Mm -hmm. That's happening. I mean, the classic example is places like Jackson Hole, where the whole region around Jackson Hole is dealing with their real estate prices, right? Exactly. Right? And like, I don't want to dump on them. It's all over the country. There's a great paper called the Amen the Amenity Trap that was put out by Headwaters Economics. The amenity trap is a useful look at that particular cycle and how communities with great amenities can get kind of stuck in this uh, scarcity of resources to, to, to then reinvest back into the place. And so what's coming. it like in, in, in Western North Carolina? Are you guys experiencing that or? You know, I mean, there's places that certainly get hammered. You, you know, if you yeah. go to, you know, want to go say like, get a parking spot, uh, you know, at Looking Glass Falls or, you know, we got a quick, quick key mountain bike destination on a summer Saturday, you might be there for a while. Blurge, Blurge Parkway in 2020 was backed up so far, it was like hours <laughs> just to get anywhere, right? It's the most visited national parking in the country. Right. Like more than Yellowstone, more than like all these big things we, we hear about, like the Blurge Parkway, right? The Great Smoky National Mountains. Like these are places that are getting so much traffic. Those are like our, our top destination of the country because we're so close to so many people here. We're not out there as a big trip to the West. Like you can drive there in eight hours from most places or less, 12 hours max, sure. right? And so a lot of these communities, I mean, Jackson County saw record hotel revenues. That's where Silva is and Callaway, where WC is based out of. They have beautiful things, right? Gorgeous fly fishing and mountains. But like, in 2021 and 2020, they were like slammed with hotels, which is great, but like they go to park and eat and they addressed it. They had strong leadership, but it also like getting a house there is pretty hard right now. Right. So their team's looking at that stuff pretty carefully with Brad, right? And so like, what do we do as practitioners to both put in successful investments and to plan ahead for the things that come with success? I'll, I'll just chime in quickly. Sure. Um, so one example 
that probably happened in many places. Like, um, there's a, a really popular place called Max Patch that people during the pandemic, people were going to the stores, buying tents, buying all the provisions, hiking up to Max Patch and leaving all of the garbage, even including their tents, just like going to buy the stuff and leaving it on the mountain. And then it's the National Forest's job to clean it up. So they, the National Forest has banned camping on top of this mountain because it got trashed. So I think that is the negative repercussion that we're trying to get ahead of now. And I just wanted to note that we are working really closely with the Forest Service and trying to create sustainable partnerships. And, you know, the Forest Service, they are all about um, having amenities and advance more trails for people to use. But they want to know that the community will take ownership of the maintenance and sustainability of these trails in the long term. And so I think if, if especially if you're a gateway community kind of adjacent to these national forests and lands, like talking with the, talking with the Forest Service and having partners there will be key because they want to make sure that it's not going to be trashed for sure. And it's not good for the natural environment either. But there are ways to get in front of this. And one way, kind of a solution from a tourism standpoint is how can you disperse some of the tourists so they're not all going to the same destination, the most popular destination. If there are so many beautiful assets throughout the region, how can you how can communities collaborate with one another to help mitigate some of that traffic and bring it elsewhere to communities that really do need it? You know, I think a lot of communities could benefit more from some of that economic uh, return. And, you know, part of this whole work is really how can you bring all of these the vi like that Noah was speaking of the hundreds and thousands of visitors on the Blue Ridge Parkway? How can you bring them down into the communities to spend money at the restaurants and the hotels? And that's part of the part of the work here is helping the communities to grow economically um, from the traffic as well. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And you know, I. I haven't, I didn't mention this, but you know, I'm in Galveston, Texas, Galveston County, Texas here. And you know, it, the beach in Galveston is an outdoor sort of recreation place. And we have the challenge where thousands of, of people come to the beach every day and they, you know, enjoy the beach and then they go home and none of their, none of the money that's in their pockets makes it into any of the local businesses. And that's, you know, that's a challenge because we're supporting them. The, our taxes are, are paying for the roads that they're driving on and, you know, providing the public restrooms and all of that. And then prior to being in Galveston, I ran a chamber of commerce mm -hmm. in a little town that was a gateway community to Yosemite National Park. And we ran the visitor center on, there's only the, on one of the three all weather sort of entrances to the park. And Yosemite is a, is a unique place because it, it has the valley where the, you know, the waterfalls are and that's where everybody wants to go. But it's kind of has a sort of a, like a loop, a road that is sort of a loop in there. And you, you drive in and you drive around the loop and you look for a place to park. And in the summer, people would drive into the park and it would take them, you know, a good hour, hour and a half from my, where we were to get even though it was about you know 30 miles to get into the the valley and then they would drive around all day until they gave up because they couldn't find any parking and 
you know, it was like, how do we, you know, how do we solve that problem? How do we, how do we deal with our own success? And, you know, that's a challenge I'm sure that, that, uh, destinations are, are having, you know, all over the country. So it's so interesting that you guys brought this up. Yeah. But it's, I think there's opportunities there, you know, when you have a problem like that, there's a clear commercial right. opportunity. Right? I'm an economist. I'm like, okay, cool. You got a, enough of an issue. Someone's going to help you do something that they get to get paid Absolutely. to do Absolutely. Right. So it's like, okay, yes. cool. Do we yes. have better shuttle services? Do we have a really dope downtown, you know, hotel or an outfitter or a hello restaurant? It's like, you know what, y'all get over here, have two beers, get on a shuttle. We'll bring you there. Don't worry about it. Like leave your stress right. behind. Go have the experience you want to have. Don't stress parking. We'll, we'll come pick you up. Like those, those moments are happening. We're seeing people innovate. And what we're realizing a lot, see what these communities is, it's not enough just to have a cool asset or assets, right? And Brad spoke to this earlier, right? You've got to also have the things people want to do that aren't just the recreation things in town. Like if they're going to come to your town and stay to eat dinner, it's not going to be Arby's, right? They want to eat like local food. They want to eat healthy. You know, lots of people like their body's a temple. They don't want to defile it too much, right? Like there's opportunities that they want to go. They want to go to a brewery. That's a defilement, right? They want to go to a brewery. You know, they want to have some tasty to drink afterwards, not just Bud Light. You know, there's like there's opportunities there to have. Make sure your town has good music, beautiful crafts, right? Things to do when it's raining outside and it's muddy. You know, all these the opportunities are important, and I think that that's part of why Brad's work looks at the whole community and not just at the assets they want to build. Fantastic. Well, guys, this has been fascinating. Um, if any of our listeners want to reach out, you know, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you and, you know, learn more about this and, you know, just, yeah. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? For the Outdoor Economy Conference, just staff yeah. at outdooreconomy.org. We'll get a hold of any of the people who are working And when it. is the Outdoor Economy Conference this year? That is September 18th is Monday when it kicks off. Um, and it wraps up with kind of main programming on the 20th. That's Wednesday and some sort of after events on the 21st, which is Thursday. So gotcha. September 18th through what's 20th. It, what's that cool. URL again? Outdooreconomy.org. Perfect. Excellent. Yep. And I'd be Bradley, happy to offer, if you way. want, like a, a discount code to the yeah. listeners of the podcast too. Dan, I can send that. Send Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Send that to me and we'll, sure we'll get that in there. And Bradley, you, if they want to reach out to you? Uh, I could definitely be re reached from that address too. But if you, if I would go to the Made by Mountains, it's M-A-D-E-X-M-T-N-S.com. And you can learn all about what we're doing and our contact information is on that website. Excellent. Well, thank you guys. This has been great. Um, I hope that, you know, it, you inspire a, a whole nother generation of, of economic developers all over the country that, you know, hadn't thought about their, their assets and um, everything else that goes along with the outdoor economy. So thanks so much. Thank you, Dane. Thank you. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.